Hello and welcome back to the Indiana Daily Student Men's Basketball Podcast presented by TIS. I'm Ben Portnoy alongside Cameron Drummond, Murphy Wheeler. We've also got a special guest today here in the hey. studio, Dustin Doprak from The Athletic, Indiana. Dustin, what's going on? Not much. Thanks for having me on, guys. Yeah, thanks for hopping on. Uh, Murphy, Cam, what's up, guys? I'm doing great today. It's Cam's, Cam turned 21 last night at midnight, so yeah. use your imagination on that one. <laughs> yeah. Murph, Murphy was also there. I was, I was there and... I'll just say it was a fun night. That's all we got to say. <laughs> That's all we got. It was a fun night after the uh, Hoosiers captured a yes. 68-67 win over Louisville. Big non-conference test passed there. But, uh, Dustin, obviously you're uh, kind of all – you've got Indiana, Purdue, and Butler on your slate. But uh, mm-hmm. we're going to talk Butler today, obviously. That's IU's sure. next matchup. Um, I guess let's just start off with big picture. Uh, what can what can IU people expect from this Butler team on uh, next Saturday? Well, they got a lot of good guards. I mean um, – they they really shot the lights out yesterday. Uh, you know, I didn't didn't see that game, but saw the score and saw the box. It was like, wow. I mean, they hit 17 threes. Um, so I mean, they're not going to shoot like that all the time, but they've got guys who can hit it. I mean, basically, like everybody they put out there is going to be able uh, to hit a shot mostly. Um, Kamar Baldwin, really tough. You know, like really good guard, really good defensively, moves the ball well, good passer, good enough shooter, gets to the rim. You know, Paul Jorgensen create can do a lot to create his own really creative offensive player. Um, Sean McDermott can shoot the lights out as you saw. He hit I think seven threes yesterday. Yeah. Um, so I'm mean, like he's not. I mean he's a catch and shoot guy. Like he's not going to be somebody that's that's going to do a lot off the dribble. But um, you know he can spot up and he can knock that thing down. And that's what obviously he did yesterday. Uh, Aaron Thompson I think is really improving as a point guard. You're starting to see him get his own offense a little bit more. He's starting to hit some shots. You know he still he, he was a really bad jump shooter last year and he's starting to get at least functional jump shot but he can get to the ball to the rim and he just does a good job of doing the right things uh offensively with the ball and he's a good defender as well got a couple decent centers uh nate fowler and joey brunk i think joey brunk's shown a lot of improvement this year you know really athletic kid um so those guys they've, they've, they've got some decent players I, mean, I don't think it's a great team um but they shoot well enough they defend well enough uh and they're solid basically so i mean i think that they're not going to be an easy out i mean i think indiana clearly has more talent I don't. I don't think they have an answer for Juwan Morgan. I think that's sort of the biggest matchup that you look at and say, okay, well, who who defends him? Because I think he ultimately is going to beat out Fowler or Brunk if you put a five on him. And I just don't know who McDermott guards. You know, that, that's really the big thing. Again, I think he can shoot the lights out, but I don't know who he defends. He, you know, Morgan would just swallow him whole. And uh, you know, Justin Smith, even for all the issues we've seen Justin Smith have, yeah. the athletic the athleticism is different. You know, it, it's at a different level than what. Um, McDermott's used to guarding, so I, I think that's going to be. I I, th- I think Butler's going to have a tough time defending him in the post. They are, I think, going to be really good on them on the perimeter, though. I I, I think Romeo Langford, you know, Finnessy, Durham, whoever else they have, you know, playing the guard spots, is not going to have an easy time, you know. So I, I think that's what I would say. That that's how I sort of look at that matchup standing out. I I think at the end of the day, it's Juwan Morgan that wins that game for Indiana. Right, and kind of to that point, you're just making on Justin Smith. While we've seen a lot of issues him this season, maybe not being physical enough, not doing enough in the box score to reflect that kind of unique athleticism that he has, he did kind of maybe assert himself a bit more in that second half against Louisville. Had maybe a moment or two, especially that kind of you know poster dunk where <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a moment or two, <laughs> the one where we all were just like, "Holy what?" <laughs> yeah, Dustin and I were sitting next to each other yesterday in the penalty box and just were just like, "Oh my god, did that just happen?" Which because yeah. yeah. it came out of completely nowhere. I mean, it was about, I think a minute into the second half and yeah. we had seen him have that really typical first half performance where he mm-hmm. wasn't super assertive whether he's getting rebounds or you know mixing it up in the in the in and around the basket and then he just comes out with that from his bag of tricks yeah no i mean he always had a clear lane to it but when he saw it it was like okay <laughs> like, bombs away like, where did he take off from he didn't even have a great running start if i remember it was like only like right he took like one plant like right off the middle of the yeah the uh like just in 
side like of the it paint. Was, it, was, it wasn't too, too... And he just took off. Yeah, he basically like like dipped like, his shoulder against... It was a Jordan... Nora, how do you pronounce that was name? It Jordan Wara. Wara, right. And then just slammed it down yeah, over Enoch. He cocked and the right arm back. And just, right. <laughs> and that was... Well, I... So this is... Like gonna, over and through him. Yeah. <laughs> this, <laughs> this is a shameless plug for my game story from yesterday, which you can read at idsnews.com. <laughs> <laughs> but the lead well of the story was basically talking about how... When Smith did that dunk on that play, Juwan Morgan got hit in the face, hit in the nose or something, and was basically out of the play. He like kind of stumbled toward the IU bench. He mm-hmm. was out of it, so IU was basically playing four on five. And there was nothing like super deep or meaningful about it, but it was kind of like a nice, you know, symbolizing moment of like, okay, Morgan can't do everything for this Indiana team, so somebody, somebody else needs to help to. him. And Justin Smith, at least for the final twenty minutes against Louisville yesterday on Saturday, you know, did enough to kind of help yeah. IU not be super reliant on that Superman Jawan Morgan persona. No, exactly. I, I mean, Smith is just an interesting case because, like, at the end of the day, I just think he is limited. Like, there's certain things he's just not going to be able to do. Um, you know, he, he's just weird with the ball in his hands. Like, I don't know if he's ever going to be great at that. Like, you're never going to say, like, okay, you want Justin Smith handling the ball on the perimeter, you know, even, even on the wing. Um, but, again, the athleticism is special. Like, as long as he doesn't just give the ball away. You know, like, he, he doesn't have to do anything special with the basketball in his hand. He doesn't have to be able to, like, cross a whole bunch of guys up. He just has to be able to take advantage of the straight line drives when they're there and, like, not dribble it off his foot, yeah. you know, and not <laughs> throw a pass to no one. You know, like, just be steady with the basketball enough that you're not giving points away. And, that's and, perhaps- ta- and take those opportunities when they're there, when you've got a clear lane. And that's perhaps like the biggest stat from that Louisville win was no turnovers from Justin Smith. No, yeah. it was huge. No, that was absolutely huge. He I, was solid. He was steady. You know, again, he, and he has been a mess lately offensively. Yeah. But I mean, this second game in a row, he had nine rebounds. Yeah. You know, I mean, he's doing a good. He's doing very, very well defensively. I mean, I, I, I was impressed. Um, you know, I hadn't gone back and looked at it, but like, you know, you saw Lamar Stevens' stat line, and Justin Smith is, you know, is taking that uh, assignment most of the time. And you know Stevens never really got going against against mm-hmm. Indiana. So like, Smith has doing been doing some work defensively. You know on perimeter guys, on post guys, rebounding really well. What he, what they're getting from him defensively is really good. I mean just he just he I don't think he's ever going to be a great all around offensive player. He's going to give you the special dunks and not a whole heck of a lot more. He's never going to be able to shoot it. He's never going to be able to handle it really well. But it's like if he gives you those athlete plays and doesn't throw it away. Then that's still a really valuable basketball player. Well, uh, touching on the defense, I, I think it's interesting. Justin even a- got asked about it after the game, and he got he they threw a couple of bodies at Jordan Wara, who mm. uh, had twenty four points, I think, just last night. But as a heck of a player, but I mean, uh, Justin said they said Justin made said him work for him. Made, he said you know yeah he scored twenty four points, but we made him work for every one of those, and I, and I yeah. think that, that there was some uh, that was a legitimate claim. Sure, no guys like that, you just you want to make him inefficient. Yeah, like they're going to get theirs. It's just okay. How many shots is he going to have to take to get where he needs to go? It's a Carson you Edwards know? type situation. Yeah, no, right? exactly. Carson Edwards is a different level. Right. Carson Edwards has I mean, no he... conscience, <laughs> or it doesn't remember what it is to have a conscience. <laughs> <laughs> like, there's Gunner mode, and then there's Carson. You're like, oh my, like he pulls up from the logo like just to do it. <laughs> Like it's just like I can't, like he's aware that he can. And he's like he's aware that like he's one of the few guys in the country that can pull up from the logo and not get yelled at, and so he does. Then you're just like, oh god. But I mean, Noor doesn't do that. I mean, Noor is more efficient in, right. the, in the you know core of the offense type player. So it's just you, especially when you kind of realize that no one else is necessarily that good of an offensive player on Louisville. They've got some right. guys who can hit shots, but there's nobody that they can rely yeah, it's a lot on. Of sh- it's a lot of spot-up shooters. It's a lot of spot-up shooters. And, I mean, they've got some guys that can get to the rim, but, like, there's not somebody that's going to just – that's going to get his. Nor is the only one of that group that can yeah. really get his. Yeah. Um, so, you know, like, you you know he's going to score points. You're not going to hold him to five. 
you know, but he's going to get some points. So it's like you're going to have to make him take a lot of shots to get there and, you know, put him in a bunch of situations where it's late in the clock and he has to make a decision, that sort of thing. I mean, he, he's going to hit some of those. Um, and they didn't de- they weren't great defending him. They didn't lock him down, but they did enough. Yeah, to keep him from just absolutely going crazy, and they got better. I, I would say that's another thing too. Like they really seemed scrambled up uh, in the first half. Like e- even when I mean Louisville missed some shots they could have hit, you know, because they had some open looks because guys were just in scrambled in rotation, not not recovering fast enough. You saw a lot of that, and then they got so much better at that in the second half. Did a good job of walling off the paint, not giving up easy ones inside. You know, making them take some threes. Yeah. You know, they did a lot better on that collectively. Yeah, I mean, and Louisville shot for the wall pretty well from three. I mean, they, I think they were 11 of 32, if I remember right. Yeah, well, you, again, um, that's I mean, that they, it goes they, back they to— made, They knocked down their shots, but— Because then you, you, you had to work for it. Right. Take 33 threes. That's not yeah, ideal. That's not an efficient night. No, that's not ideal uh, yeah. that you're taking that many threes and you're getting 11 out of them. You, you, if you're taking that many threes, you want to hit more. Yeah, definitely. And I, I just think, like, I mean, looking at that game and sticking with the Louisville game, I think it was just interesting. I mean, uh, for me, the biggest takeaway I had was I thought it was just kind of like a— Kind of like a mind check game for IU. It was kind of, sure. you know, this was a game, and you and I talked about this in the in the penalty box. This was a game that they could have gone away at like eight different times, and they and they yep. didn't. They hung around, and I, I think there's some there's something to showing that kind of grit, especially three games in a row now. I mean, with Northwestern and then Penn State, I mean, yeah. these are all one possession games, and they Indiana comes out on top. And frankly, these are games that Indiana probably loses last year. Right. Um. And you know, not to say you know big picture or whatever, but I, but there's some. I think there's something to hanging around that's, and winning tough games like this. That's my story today. That's what I wrote, it, it, is that they can close. And, like, it says something about these guys that there have been so many moments that where you, you would imagine more mentally fragile teams falling apart. Like I think there was, the, there was the one stretch where they're down by one, they need to make a shot to take the lead, and they go three possessions and out. Yeah. And, like, you're like, yeah. okay, like, that. that's one of those moments where, like, okay, like, you feel like you – you climbed all the way back. You dug, you know, not that they dug themselves a huge hole, but they right. dug themselves, you yeah, know, five, seven, six, seven, seven, seven point right. hole, you know, and you've been down the whole time and you're there and you have the opportunity to take advantage of it and you don't. Like, a lot of times that's like that's ball game, for, especially for a young team, you know, to be like, oh man, we blew it. You know, we had this opportunity and this idea that you blew it sticks in your mind and it eventually, you know, you wear down. Did not happen for those guys. You know, there was, there was. I think, I think it was maybe like the third chance they had of really taking advantage yeah. of a situation like that when they finally did it. You know, and again, if you usually teams like younger teams like that, you do it twice, and you're like, well, man, we're not, we're just not getting there today. And speaking of those moments and young guys, I mean, it was Rob Finnessy who really <laughs> sparked it all. He had the two three pointers, the two go ahead three pointers. One with, I think, about eight and a half minutes left. The second with a minute and a half. And I mean. For what it's worth, Rob Finnessy hasn't been a huge scorer for IU, and that's not necessarily his MO, but, I mean, he has stepped up big time in big moments. Yeah. I, I still remember the shot against Arkansas. Obviously, they mm. lose that game, but he hits a big three-pointer from the wing. Well, it's not even on offense. We talked about he, he just had to stop against Penn State. Penn State was a massive play. I mean, he, huge he play. just – there's something to be said about this kid and how, he, how well he's playing because I think maybe the stat line doesn't necessarily reflect it. No, there's a lot to be said about this kid. I mean, I, I thought the, the, the defensive play about Penn State Cameron, that, that was – Really major league, yeah. You know that that was a veteran play, especially you know when we talked to him and found out that like he he wasn't supposed to switch. Yeah, he had to make that read on his own. You know he had to see that Stevens was was going to come around that Smith got you know Justin Smith got picked twice and they they were just not letting him follow Lamar like they were refusing to. So somebody has to make a move there. How many times does a freshman see that? Yeah. You know and and know like okay like he's it's like you know you're seeing him you know bend around. 
bend around the wing, bend around the three-point arc, and, you know, Finnessy has to look corner. over a lot of humans to be able to tell and just know that the thing is coming in the corner. And no one else can get there but him. And so he's got to be there. Not only does he get there, he gets, you know, the hand down. Like, again, that, that, that play is a panic moment situation. Definitely. You know, that play is a panic moment situation because, like, they, they were very close to blowing that, and it's just like, all right. If they hit a shot, we're gonna lose this game. Oh my god! Well, it's just like you looked at how Didn't muddled that situation that was. Like that, it was mm-hmm. really. It could have been so easy for him to get lost on that play. Sure. Yeah. No. I mean, he he kept his head right, and and, and that was impressive. I, I guess the one thing that made it easier is one, his guy was the guy that screened right. Smith came up on the second screen and came off him. It's like okay, well he's not getting the ball. <laughs> right. You know, it's coming to Stevens. You know it is, and so like it, it's a read that you can make. You know, it, it. But of course, it makes a lot of sense as we're sitting here and considering it. You know, like what else was going to happen? But like, as you're as a freshman, you're watching your guy kind of cut up. You're like, you don't know what he's going to do, but he just was sure that the ball was going to Lamar Stevens and knew where it was going to him and made sure that he was there because nobody else could be. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, there there was a lot going on in that play, and he still made that read. And it was like, and I think it was also just impressive talking to him afterwards. It was he was so matter of fact about it. Like, what what else would I do? You know, and it just it seemed just totally unfazed um, by it at all. And, and it yeah, no, it absolutely says a lot. Just the maturity of that kid. I'm, I, I want to just get your, you guys to take on this. I, I just find it fascinating whenever you have Finnessy and Langford at the same press conference. And it's almost <laughs> like they're having a competition to have who will have the most blank look on their face. Who will 100%. seem less, like, more disinterested. Well, it's like they like, perfectly reflect Archie Miller, too. Because Mer- yes. Archie's, Archie's, like, oh, yeah. kind of the same way. And that he kind of, yeah. He does, he, he's a little more, and he's pretty analytical in his answers. Sure. But he, mm-hmm. but he yeah. doesn't give off too much. No, not at all. But, like, Rob, I mean, like, <laughs> so I don't know how much you could, so how much did you guys cover them in like recruiting? Was Rob like this? Was he always like this? Uh, I, I mean, I've heard stories from people who just like went to go see him play at like Lafayette or whatever, and just kind of said like, yeah, he's very, you know, matter of fact, blank, doesn't have a ton of emotion. But I know a ton of people from Southern Indiana and the Louisville area who, even before Romeo played at IU, obviously, you know, kind of followed around the New Albany team like they were mm. gods and stuff like that. Because I mean, they are gods, the people down there, sure, Romeo yeah. in particular. Yeah. Um, and they were just saying, you know, Romeo when he plays has this incredibly calm, composed thing. Like he's just like he might as well be like taking a nap or studying or something. He's got taking no a nap is a good read too. That it, it, yeah. it's it, it's next level. Like I've seen a lot of guys that are like cool under pressure, but yeah. like. Like Langford is almost like he's not even there. Right. Yeah. It's it's <laughs> and I almost wondered. So like, you know, watching those first couple games, you watch the exhibition games, whatever, and you know, you can't really take that much from it. But when you watch Romeo play, the fact that there's no emotion, I almost wondered whether that was going to kind of like irritate fans. That he's yeah, not, well, you know, no, he he has fiery, moments. You know, Juwan yeah. Morgan is one of those guys where he's you know. Yeah, fist exactly. bumping Doing and the, thing, the whole flex thing. Well, I think it was the Marquette and, uh, game. Romeo hit like an and one or you know, driving layup and got fouled. Yeah. And he just kind of like casually like high five someone in the front row. Yeah. And like yeah. so his moments like really understated. They're very subtle. But mm. the moments when they do happen, people you know kind of take it's like the quiet kid in the class who never yells, and then one day he stands up and yells. Right, right. And no, and you can, yeah, it's easy. It, it's easy enough when he's scoring twenty points to not, sure. not be annoyed with them. But it's just, and, and exactly. Just no, it's. Thing. I remember. So the first game, the Chicago State game, I remember like sort of like he. It took him a while to to get anything yeah. to happen. Yeah. And, like, when you're watching it and you don't know him, and, and I'm, you know, at th- that point, obviously, still trying to get a read on yeah, who yeah. he is. And I'm like, man, like, this can this could scan bad. You know, this could scan his disinterest or, or scan his Definitely. pouty or something like that. Like if, same if you don't day. know him, you know, you're just like, okay, like, what what's the deal with this guy? You know, like, is he is he mad? Is he angry? Does he wish he was getting the ball more? Is he being passive-aggressive? Like, what's happening here? And then you just realize, like, that that's... That's his resting face. Like that's yeah. what he's like all the time. That's how he always looks. And it's it's been weird to sort of like process that and then kind of take it into okay, like, so what mood is Romeo in? Does he have moods? Is there such a thing as a mood that you know? Is he affected by emotion in any way? Is he in fact 
I don't know the T two thousand or something like that. Is, you know, like what, if, if you've like you know hit him with a pin, does he bleed or do you like feel metal on the other side? Well, we, well, we know he bleeds yeah. from this season at least. That's true. Yeah, that's, that's, true. that's a good point. <laughs> yeah, no, it's just it, well, it was, it was during, during IU media day. Someone from the media asked Langford a question about the relationship between him and Rob because he's like, I've seen you around campus a bunch of times. Uh, you know, like you guys yeah. seem like you're really good friends. I saw them at Chick Fil A a couple of weeks ago right? together. It was, uh, they were with like one of the assistant coaches. So right. they, so I guess they hang out. That's kind of like their roommates. That's yeah, like no, a they are personal type question, right? Like you know, hey, like you know, what's it like you know playing with your friend or you know how you guys you know kind of sticking through your first couple months of college together? And Romeo just goes, Yeah, we have a couple classes together. And that was the whole yeah. thing. They, they, it's, it's like the, they're like in a competition to say the fewest possible words <laughs> to answer a question. Like I, I, I think Finnessy caught me laughing at him once, and I was like, I was like, he said something that was just, I don't even just didn't come close to answer the question at all. Like he just, <laughs> yeah. you know, like somebody asked him like an actually halfway decent question, and he said something like, "Yeah, I, you know, try to play defense," and you're like. Good God, Rob! Come on. Well, it was like, even, it was like even yesterday when he got asked about the shot, he was like, "Yeah, I just took the shot because I was open." It was like, "Yeah, all right, cool. Thanks. I appreciate all right. the." It's, it's almost like you're trying to say, "Like, it's I have." <laughs> you guys are asking obvious questions. Stop. Right. So yeah, I mean, you you really got to work him to get him to say anything, and you're just like, it's kind of annoying because you're like, you know, he's a good basketball mind. Great. You know, like you, you know, the he's IQ a good basketball mind. The, the IQ is there, and you know he can articulate it if he wants to. He just does not feel like talking to you, <laughs> like. It's I don't know. It's just been been weird to watch those two guys, and they're they're, it, it, you know, while they're kind of doing that thing and being just a little bit weird when it comes to media stuff, like their maturity on the court is just so high, yeah. And the IQ is so high, and they're so advanced. And you're like, wow, what what are we seeing here? This is amazing. Well, Archie you know? Miller even said it yesterday. He said, I, I think it was our, or no, it was Juwan Morgan. I think who said it said, you know, we almost can't even call these guys freshmen anymore because sure. of the plays that they make. And I, and I thought that was some really interesting insight. And I think it's probably it's rather true. I mean, these yeah. are two guys that are playing major minutes. I mean, you expected Romeo to play that uh, play, you know, thirty five minutes a game. But mm. Rob Finnessy was a guy coming into the season. You knew he was going to play some, but it was fairly certain that Devontae Green was going to have that starting point guard role at least right. for what you know he is at least to some degree, but. You know, Rob's locked it down, and I sure. don't see him relenting it at all. No, I think um, it was interesting. The first time I kind of got an idea of that Archie might be leaning the other way, and then he brought this back up and, and referred to this to me. He was talking about the, um, uh, it was ra- he did a radio show right after they did the Loyola scrimmage. Mm-hmm. You know, so it was obviously the ones that we can't see. And <laughs> see uh, the scrimmages. Yeah, it sounded it was basically he made it sound like, and some other people, uh, Don Fisher, I think, heard from some people that said the same that that. Finnessy made the leap in that, you know, that, that that's when they were kind of like, all right, okay, this guy's ready, yeah, you know, and I think, I mean, you look at his pedigree, and it, it, it's not that shocking if you think no. about it, you look at what he did at McCutcheon, you know, that, I mean, he was a, you know, you forget, he was a big deal, you know, like, he, yeah. he gets overshadowed because he was in Romeo's class, you know, and he like that. He was a four-star recruit they stole from Purdue territory. Right, that's, exactly, that's they took deal. right out of Lafayette, you know, I mean, guys wanted him, and it's just like, you talk to their, you know, his high school coach, you know, guys that worked with him out there, and they were like, you know, this is probably the best player we've seen come out of here, you know, maybe ever, at least in a long time. Like that's that's saying something. That's saying a lot. Right. Um, so you you got the impression from them, like you know, everything that you you were you expect things that you hear from high school coaches to take a, a bit to develop on the college level. Sure, they'll eventually be that guy. They won't walk in the door and be that guy. He's walked in the door, and he is what they say he is. You know, in terms yeah. of being smart with the basketball. Getting people involved, you know, working really hard on defense, trying to do the right thing, being able to make shots, you know, outside and in the lane. Um, everything that they talked about, like, he's been able to convert immediately. Uh, it, it, so it's faster than expected, but, like, 
as you've been listening to Archie, you could just sort of tell that there was, he could tell really early that uh, this this guy's got, and he's just got more in the bag than Devontae does. Yeah. You know, there's just more to his game. And like, just the fact that he could translate it means, you know, it, that it's not a close competition at that point. Like, Green can't do all the things Fennessey can do. It was just a question of can Fennessey do it at this level and how fast. Yeah, absolutely. And it was fast. Yeah, I, Rob has clearly picked it up pretty quickly. And uh, like we kind of said, we don't. Don't necessarily, I don't necessarily see him uh, losing that starting point guard spot. Um, we're 20 minutes in here. We'll take a quick break. We'll hop back over on the other side, talk talk a little more specifics about Butler and this upcoming matchup and kind of the the only game this week. It's finals week, so we've all got kind of a, got a chance to take a breather. IU's got a chance to take a breather, focus on class, all that. So we will see you on the flip side. TIS College Bookstore has been outfitting generations of IU fans for over 56 years, and we have the largest selection of IU apparel and gifts in Bloomington. Start your holiday shopping with 25% off one regular priced apparel or gift item at iugear.com when you use promo code IUBB. If you're in town for the game, stop by TIS and show us your athletic ticket stub, and we'll give you 25% off one IU sportswear item. TIS College Bookstore, representing everything IU. And we're back here on the Indiana Daily Student Men's Basketball Podcast presented by TIS Bookstore. Alongside Cameron Drummond, Murphy Wheeler, Dustin Doprak joining us for the day. Dustin, uh, obviously your butler butler insider for The Athletic. Uh, Insider's a big step, but we'll go with it. All right. That's, <laughs> that's saying a lot. All right, moving on. <laughs> Dustin, let, let's put it this way. Dustin's got more butler knowledge than uh, Cam Murphy and I here, so we'll, 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 we'll leave okay. the butler questions to, uh, to Dustin. But got it. Anyway, uh, we talked a little bit big picture, um, butler, kind of what this team is, but I guess I wanted to get into a little more specifics. Um, obviously, top down, Paul Jorgensen's leading this team uh, mm. points right now. Just what, what makes him so good? What, what makes him dangerous? He's really, I mean, uh, he's really good off the dribble and he can really shoot it. Uh, obviously, two key things, but a really good athlete. You know, like um, interesting game because he's from he's from New York City, right? And he went to um, he he started his college career at George Washington, mm-hmm. and basically, I mean, they ran kind of a flex offense that was really um, really rigid, basically. And it was just basically the point guard in that offense. You just get the ball to your four man in the high post, and then you start cutting and screening and stuff like that. Sure. And that was just not his game at all. Um, so he's sort of been allowed to go back to being who he is, which is a guy who can attack off the dribble, has that sort of, you know, New York City attack you, you know, on the drive, you know, sort of style. The Devontae uh, Green quality. The Devontae that. Green quality, yes. He's got that. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, no, I mean, it's it was fun because I did a story on him and it was like talking to all these people about, you know, I'm like, he, he went and played at Rucker Park. You know, he played at like all these like New York City playgrounds. He made a point to do it. Like his dad made a point to make sure he went there because, you know, you're not seeing playground basketball is slowly dying for a, a lot of reasons. Mm-hmm. One of them being just the fact that, Kids grow up, you know, in, you know, they're getting trainers now. And AAU is such a huge, you know, not, I hate saying AAU because it's not really AAU, but summer travel, grassroots, you know, shoe company sponsored basketball, you know, in the summer is so much of a bigger thing, taking up so many, much more of these kids' time. They're inside all the time. You used to play a lot of outdoor basketball, not a lot of kids do, but he still made a point to go play outside so that he was getting on these New York City courts and, and getting that mentality of, you know, attack, come after you, you know, like, Pick up basketball, call your own fouls, that kind of thing. The physicalness of it, the, the sort of attack nature of it, the you know, fighting for pride nature of it, um, and so you see that in his game. You know, it's like he, he can attack, really attack guys and get after them off the dribble. Um, you know, he's about six five, so he's got the actually maybe he's like six four. Good athleticism, good length, can get after you defensively. Basically, get his hands in passing lanes. You know, get 
get steals that way, get going in transition. Again, really good in transition as well. You know, when he's got a head of steam, he's, you know, really tough to guard, really really tough to deal with, but is almost as good, not as good as McDermott as a catch-and-shoot guy, but close. You know, he, he is a guy that can go get lost and get in a corner and, you know, hit that three and, and do it regularly. So he, he can he can score at all levels. He can hit the mid-range jumper, you know, hit the three, get the ball to the rim. Uh, basically everything you need to do for a guard. And, I, and he's not their best player. And I, I think I would still say Baldwin is their best all-around player. Jurgens is a good defender. Baldwin is a very, very good defender. You know, Baldwin is one of the best defenders in the Big East. Um, and Baldwin's got this freaky amount, like this freakish length to his arms. He's like six foot six one, but he plays six five. Like it looks like, I mean, it, it, it's like kind of like when you were a kid and you're putting, you know, you could like take the limbs off your GI Joes. You know, it's like it's like he got somebody else's arms. You know, it's like they got took t- took him off a six five six guy. Like it's like it's like you you look at his body. It's like he doesn't even have like the back to like even handle them. You know, like they like like his shoulders come like all the way back, like almost to his spine, and you're just like, how did you? That doesn't make any sense. Um, but but again, it just allows him to play with so much length he's a much better rebounder than somebody his size ought to be and it makes him a much better defender he can you know he can keep the ball out you know can it can it keep you contained uh because again he's just i mean he's probably got you know length wingspan's gotta be six seven something like that like it's freaky you're just like okay, how did that even work genetically um but he's you know but again you know super sharp kid you know really good off the dribble and and again has big limbs and has always been able to to coordinate them keep them together that's not an easy thing to do you know basically like that's that's always a difficult thing when you get when you hit puberty and you all of a sudden you know are, are all they have all this more body to deal with it's tough to coordinate Baldwin's never really had that issue he's always been able to handle the ball keep it low to the ground um so it makes him really good off the dribble drive you know he's really sharp with the ball just not a great shooter when it comes to three points that's the kind of the one sort of weakness he has is he's just okay from the on the arc but very good mid-range you know really good at getting the ball to the rim really good at finishing the rim making shots in the paint um really good at that kind of stuff so they've got two Guards that really get after you, and and Thompson making the improvements he's making is really making that a complete backcourt. Um, you know Thompson again, as we talked earlier, there is you know, there are some weaknesses to his game. He's not a great shooter yet, but he's getting to the point where he can at least hit that. Where you you can't sag back on him. You know, like it's not like if if he's at the top of the key, you can play at the free throw line. You have to get up in him now at, at least enough uh, to allow him to get by you. You know, like so you have to defend him both ways. Like you, you can't just leave him alone. Like where. where Teams, I think we're trying to do that at, this, at the beginning of the year, just saying, okay, you can just lay off Thompson and you know make sure you can help on Baldwin or Jorgensen. I mean, you got to guard, you have to guard Thompson now, you know, at least well enough. So it's like, and so all of that leaves for possibilities of McDermott to get lost in the game, you know, go find himself in a corner and you forget about him. So like all this stuff works out, and 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 their big guys Fowler and Brunk both pass the ball really well. I mean, they're they're not great shooters, not great scorers, but they can get you ten or eleven on a given night. Mm. And pass out of the post really well. They're both very, very good at that. They get the ball inside. They can, they can find shooters or cutters on the outside. You know, so they've got a, they've got a pretty, I don't want to say complete package, but it's close. You know, they, they've got a fully functional team. It's not great. It's not the Gordon Hayward era. You know, Matt Howard era Butler teams, but sure. they, they've got enough to be dangerous. So I guess kind of, I mean, Indiana's already seen a Big East-type team this year, like a mm. good Big East-type team in Marquette. Uh, anything you think Indiana can take from that game, I guess based on maybe where Butler is projected to grade out in the Big East, if Marquette's, you know, a high-end team that people were talking about, at least going into season as maybe winning the Big East? I think one thing that just changes the calculus entirely is this: that when you're dealing with Marquette, you're dealing with Marcus Howard. You know, and, and therefore that's that becomes the focus on, it. and it's like it's so it's hard to take anything you learn from a game like that and um, apply it someplace else. When you have guys like Howard, like 
Carson Edwards, like we mentioned before. Yeah. Dudes that are just taking up such a degree of the offense, you know, of, of that team's offense. Like, it, it, again, it's hard to apply lessons any other place because all you're thinking about is how do we keep this guy from totally killing us or, or how do we make him work for his points, What's basically. Right? Like, he's going to score a bunch. How do we make him inefficient? You know, how do we take everybody else away and, and sort of, you know, basically like you're just game planning different than you do for other teams when you have these guys that can score 27, 30, you know, whatever. Uh, that It just makes it a different basketball game. So it's hard to take anything and apply it. Um, you know, it, it, as far as, I mean, just probably level of talent, you could say that there's something comparable there, you know, just in, just showing, okay, you know, we can beat that level of team. But they've already done that three or four other times too, you know, this week. You know, like like Louisville obviously gives you, even though it's not a similar team, really, it's like, okay, like you can win that game. So they're, they're at least at the point now where, like, confidence is there. Like they've proven they can beat multiple teams of that caliber. You know, um, blowing Marquette's doors off I think helped a lot, but all this, like you haven't seen them play a game like that since. You know, so like they've had to sort of recalibrate that they're not that good, you know, or, or at the very least they're not that good as currently constituted. Um, but, you know, like... They are, they 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 know they can play with the team at this level. They they know they have no reason to be scared of Butler, but they knew that already. So I mean, that's the thing I think you, you can really take from Marquette. But it's a, it is a different scout. It's a different team. You know, looking at this team, and this this gets a little bit more big picture, a little bit more theoretical. But you know, this is Laval Jordan's second year as the head coach. Um, obviously, this Butler team has had a lot of success in the last you know ten years or since the, since the Final Four and yeah. all that. Um, but there's been a lot of turnover at the coaching position. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess what what has Laval Jordan done as a head coach in his one year, and what's he carrying over? And I guess does that I mean how much effect does that have when you have that kind of you know coaching turnover? Yeah, seemingly um, every two three years. Yeah, no, I mean I think Butler has gotten back to I want to say. What happens with some of these mid-major programs, you know, and obviously Butler is in this weird space that, I mean, the Big East in general is sort of in this weird space. Like everybody other than Villanova, you know, suddenly is kind of on a mid-major plane, sort of. I mean, I guess Georgetown is still, even though they're not good, you know, I mean, they have Patrick Ewing coaching them. So it's like, you know, people, it's still possible to look at that job as a destination job. But, you know, Butler... It, it, it's still hard for people to look at that as a destination job. They look at it as a stepping stone job. And that's not necessarily bad. I mean, I, I think there, there have been a lot of programs that have been able to put themselves in pretty good shape by being a stepping stone program, by being a place that everyone says, hey, look, you're going to get support here. You're going to get facilities here. You're going to be able to recruit here. You're going to be able to get players, and you're going to be able to win, and you're going to be able to go get a better job. And that's not the worst place to be. If, if you're selling upward mobility – you can still keep getting coaches and it's not necessarily a bad thing. And they've been able to do it and, you know, get Butler guys, get people who fit what they want and, you know, keep moving on and keep moving up. I I don't think if, if you know, sort of the bigger picture question is, has Butler peaked, you know, has, did, did Butler peak with Brad Stevens? Can they never reach that level again? Is it impossible? That might be true, but I think it's in part because, they're in the Big East. You know, the, 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 it's a different path when you're in a smaller conference, but you can lord over it in the way that they, they lord it over the horizon. At a certain right. point, everybody else was playing for second place. You know, there, n- nobody was really going to make any kind of competition there. So when you've done that, like, and, and you know, they, they were in a good position to take advantage of Indiana when it was down, you know, and not only when it was down, but also, like, 
the Samson era when there were some people in the state that were like, eh, I don't know if we want to, you know, yeah. send our kids to go Everything play with this to hell, guy. Kind of. <laughs> yeah, it, it was just like it was not only it was not only that they just weren't like they you know, they were good under Samson. I mean, they weren't great. They weren't Bobby Knight peak level under Samson, but they got players. But it was like the kids that sort of built Indiana or whatever, the, the Matt Howards of the world were like, do I really, you know, like heard stories about some of these kids that Samson got. Like, do I really want to go play with Jamarcus Ellis? <laughs> I don't know. You know, like, <laughs> how is that going to end for me? <laughs> you know, I'm mean, like, you know, Gordon was good. But like those those kids, they, they got in some trouble, you know, like they, they, you know, so it's like, all right, like this, you know, if you're Matt Howard or Gordon Hayward, or you're like, um, I'm going to stay here in Butler. Yeah. This seems more peaceful to me. <laughs> but, uh, you know, like, so it, it's going to be hard for them to ever hit that peak again. Like a lot of things came together. And Brad Stevens is Brad Stevens. Like, I think they're always going to be able to get very good coaches, but, like, there is something. Like, Brad Stevens is a comet, you know? Like, there's the fact that, like, you, the, like, his story, his everything, you know, his level of basketball genius is not common. You, you can't just reproduce those guys. But they are, I think, going to always be able to continue to get good coaches. You know, again, like, will, will they ever be Final Four championship level again? I don't know. But, I mean, I think they're going to continue to be a tournament-level team. You know, and and that's hey, that's that's a good situation. Yeah. You know, and it's like I I saw sort of VCU go through this a, a little mm. bit when they were as I was covering the CAA, um, and so like kind of at the beginning, like before they got Shaka, mm-hmm. but when they had Jeff Capel, mm-hmm. and then the Jeff Capel left for Oklahoma, and then they got Anthony Grant, and then I think Grant went to Alabama, Alabama. And yeah. then, yeah, because Grant almost got Grant almost got with the Florida job when Donovan left the first time when he was going to go to the Magic, and then he left and came back. I thought Billy Donovan was coming to Indiana. <laughs> I heard a lot about <laughs> private planes and all that. Ooh, man, that was, was a rough deal for uh, yeah. We <laughs> should move on past that one. Uh, but yeah, no. Um, so they became a stepping stone job, and they were okay with it for a while. And they when they got Shaka, they started to push back the other way. And say, all right, like we're really going to try to push to keep him. And I think they kept him the first time around. I, th- I can't remember. I think Illinois yeah. was sniffing around. Yeah. And then it was like when Texas showed up, it was like, well, you're not going to compete with Texas. Right. Texas has more, like, you know, it's Texas. Te- Texas yeah. has yeah. so much freaking money. It's not even funny. Like, it's not even that it's a great team. It's just they There's, they, they print money. In the Longhorn Network money will we, yes will we'll, lure you. We'll, there. we'll eventually lure you there. Yeah. So so there it's it's always a weird space for that for programs like that. Um, in terms of how you want to handle being okay with being a stepping stone job, but if if you keep everything else together, if there is continuity throughout the rest of the department, you get guys who believe you know that they coach the way you want to want to coach that you know go by the Butler way or whatever you want to call it. Like you're going to be in good shape, you know. Like it, they're going to continue to be you know competitive in the Big East again. Are they going to are they going to beat Villanova? I mean that that's the thing. Like they're they're probably with Villanova being where it is right now. It's hard going to be hard for them to ever topple them and, and be a you know win a conference championship mm. you know and so it'll always be you know like where they're seated in the league you know when it comes to the tournament you know will might be a little bit lower they'll be in a, in a in a more you know in an interesting position they're, they're not going to go win twenty eight games like they could do in Horizon League or something like sure. that you know like a good year for them is always going to be win twenty one twenty two you know which puts you in the seven to ten range that's where they're going to have to come out of the tournament in a lot of cases so it's always going to be difficult for them to recreate that kind of magic um, but I, I they there's no reason why with Laval Jordan and then whoever is after Laval Jordan um, 
they can't maintain that. But I, I mean, I think there's no reason to believe that Jordan can't follow the same path as, you know, Chris, Chris Holtman did, you know, again, he's not Brad Stevens. Nobody is, but you know, there's, you know, a Thad mod or something like that. Like Jordan can take this job and go get a newer, bigger one. The guys like him, you know, I can say that he seems like a sharp guy. seems like, you know, again, I think one thing that he's trying to do different is playing at a little bit of faster pace. You know, they are going to attack in transition a little bit more. You know, they're not going to be a press team, you know, they're not going to play 100 miles an hour, but they're going to play a faster tempo. You're not going to see them, like, in some of the old Butler days, you'd look at them at tempo, and they were, like, <laughs> 334, you know, 358, whatever. Like, they were the bottom of Ken Palm's tempo rankings. Like, they're not going to be the bottom of that anymore under uh, under Jordan. But, you know, he's going to mostly do the things that they want him to do, you know, coach the way that he wants to coach, or, or that Butler wants his guys to coach. He's going to fit well up there recruit the same type of kids they're going to keep being butler you know and i don't think any amount of coaching change is going to be that much of an issue it's just they are in a different world because they're in the big east it's a higher level of basketball but yet it's not a power five league you know they're in that kind of weird you know it's just a limbo area that the big east is in right now and it is always going to be based on who they are the you know the fact that it's almost entirely about it's an entirely basketball league uh that just changes the format for those guys it's just a different different situation than they were in before and really that you know anybody really was yeah absolutely and i guess uh just to kind of wrap it up a little bit i guess just looking at this game um what is uh, obviously indiana's coming off the with the win against louisville and i think butler's not not to say not as a knock on butler but i think they're louisville's a little bit better team than butler probably is close Pro- yeah, rel- yeah. Rel- relatively even but probably, i think louisville's probably a little bit better yeah. team but yeah butler what, doesn't have a nora right, know? i mean exactly. like baldwin's a really good player but Nora's at a different level right exactly and so you know i guess what does this game mean for what does this game mean for indiana and what does this game mean for butler because i know looking down the pipe indiana's got you know butler they've got two kind of cupcake games with central arkansas and uh, jacksonville yep. you get illinois and then you got a two-game swing where you go to michigan to maryland within a week yeah um what does this game mean for kind of both teams? I think Indi- for Indiana, it's a little bit of a finish line. It, 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 you're not all the way there, but it's like kind of a, this sort of mile marker, I think, because it's like, okay, you have this, you had this stretch of in December of in November, December from, um, you know, Duke on, you know, you've got, you had five in a row major conference, you know, or, or, or major league opponents, basically, you yeah. know, basically like a, a, opponents that matter, that can challenge you, mm-hmm. you know, and, and not a break in between there, there, there's not, you know, so, it, it is sort of okay getting past that point. I mean, they're going to blow the doors off of the kids of the two teams they play over Christmas week. You know, yeah, that's not going to be. Yeah, well, we, we thought they that didn't. Last we thought year. that about Davis. That's a good point too. Yeah. That's a good point. I mean, I, you you would think so basically. I mean, they're they're probably going to be. I, I would think that Archie scheduled breathers there. Yeah, you know, they're, yeah. They're, he, and he hasn't done a lot of that. I mean, even Davis was a pretty you know pretty good team. UTA and even. wasn't bad. Yeah, so I would think that these are a couple breathers to get him back into Big Ten play, but. After you know, this is the end of five in a row, and it's like okay, like if you can claim, if you can go four and one out of that, you got to feel pretty good about yourself. So that does good for, for them in terms of confidence and everything like that. Like it, um, and, and, and it does matter to. I, I I think there's some there's definitely some pride points here that you you want to win up a crossroads. Yeah, yeah you 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 want to win up a crossroads because you got to own that one the rest of the year if you lose it. You know, there's something to be said for that. Like I remember, you know, like Butler was a tough loss. For a really good Indiana team in about twenty, I think it was the twenty twelve game, twenty twelve thirteen. Yeah. They took they took an L up there on a God. It was it was a walk on kid. They hit a jumper at the you know uh, overhauls. I can't remember what it was. I can't remember. Yep. I'm trying to remember the name of the kid. I don't know if he'd scored all day, <laughs> and you know he might have had ten points all year. 
and he comes up and drills one because <laughs> I think Butler I think might have had Shelvin Mack fall out or somebody like that, and this kid just sticks it, you know, in in Indiana's eye, just just drilled it, and this is like so that was. <laughs> <laughs> Tom was not happy after that one, man. <laughs> not happy. And I asked him about the play, and he was not happy with me either. Um, and but so so, but these games do matter. I think. I mean, like there is there is a level of it's a pride you know, point. It's definitely yeah. a pride point because it's definitely a thing that everybody talks about, and it's like. You know, you'll have if Butler beats him, you'll have a week. It's like, is Butler the best team in the state this year? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like everybody will be talking that on radio and everything like that. So they'll have to suffer through that. Well, um, so over the summer, um, another shameless plug. When I was running the Indiana Daily Student, we, <laughs> had, oh my God. we had one of our one of our writers do a column, basically advocating for expansion of the Crossroads Classic. Like right now, obviously, it's the yeah. four teams: Purdue, Notre Dame, Indiana, yeah. Butler. But he's, I think, he wanted it to be um, all the all the teams in Indiana. Right, like sport. so, all eights, like Evansville's in there. Um, yeah. I don't know, like some give me another college basketball program. Ball, Ball State, State, Ball State, Indiana, Indiana State, Evan, yeah, Fort Wayne, yeah, Fort Wayne, Mastodon. I don't think I, I don't think I will ever schedule Fort Wayne for the next no. twenty years. No, voluntarily. God, again. no, they will not. Why would they? <laughs> I don't think they're going back to was it War Memorial Coliseum or whatever. Oh, Lord, that was that oh, was a sad Lord. day in Bloomington. <laughs> oh, had to be. All I, I remember is um what like went kind of viral after the game was the um I guess it was called IPFW at the time. Students stormed the court, and then this one dude was like swigging from what looked like a bottle of bleach oh but yeah like, i remember that yeah, it yeah. obviously wasn't bleach but like it was like yeah. it looked thing. like bleach yeah right. th- 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 you could even make that joke yeah. and it was yeah. also just a ridiculous timing because iu had just beaten they had just beaten carolina and right. kansas yeah, and yeah they, no that was, that, was the like, that team was ranked what number three team. in the country at one point which yeah people forget that, um, that what a bizarre season that, that, was, that, was, that was, it, yeah i was totally watching that from a distance obviously like curtis jones it's the three against it goes off for like 14 points against kansas and then disappears and transfers after the end of the season yeah it was just yeah. a bizarre, bizarre season. Curtis Jones, he still can't play at Oklahoma State because he didn't get that waiver. I think he can't start till I think he starts next semester. Yeah, January. I think. Yeah. Oh my eligible. lord! So God. Yeah. Yeah. No, that 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 season was wild. Like again, they beat Kansas and Carolina and lost to IP. And like I was at that Carolina game. That as, game as was. They, I, they yeah. won by nine points. They might as well have won by twenty five. No, it they were in control close. of that game. No, no it wasn't. <laughs> it was unbelievable. <laughs> it, it, the, at that point, you're like, they might win this sucker. They might win yeah. this whole thing. And you're and then. Then no, <laughs> then, then, then things changed. Right, they like, fell off the rails. And right, Tom I mean, Crean's and now at Georgia. So <laughs> right, I mean, OG going down obviously is a big right, piece right. of that. Yeah. So I mean, that's and that was the Penn no State game thing. where I mean that was the last that was that had the last time Indiana went to Penn State prior to last week because that was Blackman OG, OG getting hurt and James Blackman hitting the game winning three. Yeah, oh my god, I remember yeah. that too. Yeah, watch that so game. It's gonna be uh, it's gonna be a good one up in uh, up in Indianapolis. Well, real quick, so Dustin, what's so yeah, you were going that. Do you basically what's what's the gist? Should they do that? Yeah. Do you think that's is that? I don't think it should do. I don't. I mean, I don't think it's. Ma- I don't think it would matter for the top flight team. Right. There's no I incentive think, for the top four no, teams to do it. Not, I don't think. I, think I, I would say. Yeah. I, I would say it's like this. You you could have those teams as an undercard. Yeah. You, yeah. The, the, okay. you could never in uh, insert them into the you know main four. Main four. Like, like you, you don't want to have like Evansville playing, playing Notre Dame. Yeah. Like that's not selling tickets. Like it's like if, if it's an undercard. If it's like okay, like. You know, you and you make it a full day thing. Now that's a long day. You make it a two day event. Yeah, you could do that. Friday, Saturday. Yeah, do Friday and have like Evansville and Ball Ball State, State. like like the Kentucky Derby. Like you have all the undercard races on Friday. (laughs) Right. You have some bigger ones on Saturday. Yeah, I'd be I'd I'd totally be good with that. Like that that would be an interesting thing. But like you you don't like that that event falls apart really really fast 
if yeah if, if you're you start setting having up how you play evansville every year yeah, yeah. exactly no or, or anyone like that and it's like okay like in seven years you'll have indiana play notre dame again right. you know and in between they're gonna play evansville and ball state, and ball state. IPFW. who am i forget yeah ipfw iupui there's indiana another team state. i'm not, not thinking of indiana state it's like if you're if you're working those games in and ever you know then no then, then people aren't gonna sell tickets but like if you could add on you know again those teams playing undercard together thing. undercard yeah. thing i i i think that would be cool um, again, it wouldn't sell really well on a Friday, and you also have the issue of you know the Pacers schedule. Like if the, if the Pacers right. play, you know, right. want to use it Friday night, you know, do you bring them in the afternoon? You know, like do you have a situation where like, and and that I think would be pretty cool. Like it's sort of weird, but but it's Christmas week, you know, like, you know, or, or like a week before, like okay, like yeah, have a one p.m. Friday Evansville game. It's something for people to blow off work and go do. Yeah, you know, <laughs> like I could see that, and then get the court ready for the Pacers at seven. Yeah. Wouldn't be the worst thing, yeah. I, but it's just like yeah, if if you're mixing it into the to the uh, you know the major card whatever, then that's gonna cost you some interest real fast. Yeah, definitely. Well, uh, Saturday afternoon, Butler, IU, Notre Dame, and Purdue will play before that, uh, yeah. and then IU and uh, Butler is kind of what we'll all be there for. Uh, mm. D- Dustin, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having Thank me, guys. Guys, Absolutely. it's been a fun one. Uh, we'll all see. We'll all be up in uh, Indianapolis on Saturday, and uh, we'll have plenty of content coming uh, coming this week. So uh, for Cameron Murphy, Cam and Murphy, I'm Ben Portnoy. <laughs> Dustin, thanks again for joining us, and uh, we'll talk to you guys next week.